Good evening. Good evening. It's uh, uh, 8 o'clock in Yerushalayim, and it's time to begin our regular halacha shir in uh, org. We're talking about exercise on Shabbos, and what we saw last week was that there are a number of problems uh, which arise with exercise on Shabbos. Uh, first and foremost, uh, it is... Uh, uh, requires a lot of effort, which is not pleasant. Although it's true that eventually, while jogging or eventually while while doing any exercises, the endorphins can begin to flow in your brain and it begins to feel pleasant. That's true. But one has to overcome a hump in order to get to that stage where it is pleasant. And the initial stages of exercises, getting yourself to start jogging or whatever the exercise is, is not is not is not pleasant, and therefore mitigates against Oneg Shabbos, and that's the primary problem. Second problem, which we saw last week, is that uh, exercise is good for you. It's uh, therapeutic. It's refuah therapeutic. It's good for you, and that's bad on Shabbos. <laughs> uh, why? Because on Shabbos there's a rabbinic prohibition that you're not allowed to engage in any medical therapy, not allowed to take any medicine, not allowed to do anything of a medical nature on Shabbos, unless, of course, it's a, a serious disease. But, but, but for someone who, is, who just has a garden variety problem, and, and in the words of the postkin, is mithalech bashuk kibari, someone who's able to function normally, and whatever the problem is, it's not, it's not, it's not bad enough to adversely affect your your functioning, that's only a mild disease. And one should not treat it on Shabbos because Hazal were afraid that if you if you take medicine or do any other medical treatment on Shabbos, you might come to grind drugs. Back in those days, everyone had their mortar and pestle. Yeah, you had the dry leaves or the seeds, whatever it is, you'd grind them up and use them according to the instructions of the doctor. Well, well, uh, since since uh, uh, exercise falls into the category can fall into the category of being therapeutic, that's another reason to prohibit it. Third reason to prohibit it we saw last week was ulten uh, dechol. It's a weekday activity which mitigates against the spirit of Shabbos. Okay, these are the principles which we saw last week. Each one of which. Yeah, yeah. Uvdin uh, uh, uh as you point out on chat, Uvdin Dachol deserves a, a, a shiur all by itself. Uh, weekday, weekday activities, which are prohibited on Shabbos, that deserves a, a shiur all by itself. Uh, the, the awful, the awful truth is, and uh, one of the rules of the Web Yeshiva is that we're supposed to always tell the truth. So you know, if you find it unpleasant, just just ignore it. But uh, the, 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 the truth is that uvdin dechol, or ma'asechol, uh, weekday activities being prohibited on Shabbos, is often the last resort that a rabbi has to prohibit doing something on Shabbos when there's really no other good reason to prohibit it. Um, uh, uh, the, the, uh, uh, exactly what does and what does not fall under the category of uvdin dechol, weekday activities, 
deserves a special shiurim. Yes, Hashem, we'll get to that, but not uh, not in the upcoming weeks. But let's continue with where we left off. Uh, we're in the middle of a tshuva of Tzitzeliezer. The Tzitzeliezer last week, we're in the middle of this tshuva. Uh, last week, he rehearsed for us all the basic problems involved in exercise. And then he says, Lefizer, since we have all these problems with exercise, the Nidon Ha-Expander, he was asked specifically about this uh, spring gadget that you use for uh, for exercise. That's the specific example he was asked about. Barur, it's clear that this form of exercise, Magi'im Lidei Yegiyah Rabba Vizeah, ends up being a lot of effort. It's a lot of effort, it's hard, uh, and you end up sweating. Barur, it's clear. Gam sheyesh pazeh mishum uvdin dachol, hen be'etzem asiyas atargilim ve'yigiyas aguf. It's a weekday activity um, uh, which uh, does not belong on Shabbos, doing the exercises, doing the effort, not right. That's the third of the reasons. In Cain, therefore, yesh le'esor adavar, hen mishum uvdin dachol, hen mishum refuah, we have a, a, a number of reasons already to prohibit exercise. Now, after having rehearsed these these reasons, he continues as follows. Yeter al-Kain, furthermore, another reason to prohibit exercise, Shanina b'Tosefta, is something we learned in the Tosefta. Now, the Tosefta, was written by the written or in those days a little bit of a disagreement among the among the Rishonim whether the Tosefta was actually written down or just transmitted orally back in the days of the Second Temple or at the end of the Second Temple. But this is this is a body of literature written by the same rabbis or transmitted by the same rabbis who gave us uh, the Mishnah. You know, those rabbis produced a vast body of halachic material, some of which got organized into the Mishnah that became the backbone of the Gemara. Uh, some of what they said got organized into Midrash form, and uh, we have a wealth of Midrashim from that period of time. And uh, some of it got organized into the Tosefta. And uh, the Tosefta is... Uh, not as important as the Mishnah, but uh, it's the same rabbis and it's quoted frequently in the Gemara itself. Let's see what the Tosefta says. You're not allowed to run on Shabbos for the purpose of exercise, implying quite clearly that you are permitted to run on Shabbos if it's not related to exercise. Uh, for example, as we mentioned last week, if you're in a rush to do a mitzvah, you have to run somewhere. To do a mitzvah, you have to run to get to the synagogue on time. We have to run to get to the shiur on time. If you're running to do a mitzvah or you're running to your parents' house in order to uh, to uh, honor your parents, it, well, it doesn't matter what the mitzvah is. If you're running to do a mitzvah, to get you're in a rush to get there to do a mitzvah, that's okay. Uh, but for exercise, you're not allowed to to run. After all, 
the whole prohibition of exercise beginning to end on Shabbos, whichever reason you take, is all durabanan. Now, we're not talking here about any Torah violation of Shabbos, chas And when Chazal legislated rabbinic prohibitions, many of them, surely not all of them, but many rabbinic prohibitions at the time of legislation had built-in loopholes to them. And, and, and the rabbis, when they legislated the prohibition of exercise on Shabbos, did not prohibit exercise flat out. They could have done that. I mean, many rabbinic prohibitions are prohibited just flat out in every situation, but they prohibited exercise for the purpose of they, pro they prohibited running for the for the purpose of exercise because it's therapeutic, because it's because it's unpleasant at least when you begin at least when you begin running. Of Kedarko, going out for a walk. A stroll on Shabbos, Kedarko, as you would do during the week. You can go out for a stroll for hours and hours and hours. Spend all day strolling. And you're not guilty of anything. That's perfectly fine. Now, the underlying concept here it has to do with what uh, is technically called Ma'achal. Let's get this typed correctly on chat. Ma'achal Bri'im. Ma'achal Bri'im. Ma'achal Bri'im is food. Ma'achal, food. Bri'im, that healthy people eat. Yeah, that, that's most food. Most food is food that healthy people eat. Some kinds of food are foods which are only fed to sick people. Uh, and... Uh, 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 food which is only served to sick people, you're not allowed to eat on Shabbos because it's manifestly clear that the only reason you're eating it is because you're sick and it is therapeutic in nature. And therefore, food which is normally reserved for sick people, you know, certain recipes, certain kinds of food, uh, uh, you're not allowed to take on Shabbos as part of the prohibition of medical therapy on Shabbos. But the, but the truth is that the, there's also a category of ma'achal bri'im, there's also a category of food that healthy people eat, and sometimes the doctor says, that's what you need. It's a kind of food which healthy people eat, but uh, you need it for medical reasons. I want you to, you, you, have, a, you have a vitamin C problem, you have a vitamin C deficient, and the, the doctor says, I want you to eat one citrus fruit every day. Well, uh, our, um, healthy people eat oranges, or healthy people eat oranges. The, uh, uh, you're allowed to eat it for therapeutic purposes, because it's mahabrin. It's not manifestly, it's not obviously being eaten for medical purposes, because ordinary people, that's just an ordinary food. The idea is as follows. As it says in the song on Shabbos, Kirhurim Mutarim, thoughts on Shabbos are permitted. You're allowed on Shabbos to think about your business affairs. Uh, you're allowed on Shabbos to think about how you're going to cook a meal during the week. Thoughts, 
are permitted on Shabbos, as long as they don't make you sad. I mean, you're not supposed to think of think of depressing things on Shabbos. That, 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 that's not good. But uh, the thoughts in and of themselves are not prohibited on Shabbos. If it's depressing, if you're thinking of something depressing, it's not the thoughts which are prohibited. It's the it's putting yourself in a depressed mood, uh, which is prohibited. Uh, in any event, uh, sometimes the only difference between someone who is engaging in a perfectly normal act that healthy people do and, and, and someone else who's doing exactly the same action for medical reasons is all in the kavana, all in the intention in the person's head. And some people... Uh, Perfectly healthy people, all week long, they go out jogging. Some people have a medical condition, and the cardiologist says to the patient, you have a certain uh, medical problem, a certain uh, cardiac problem, and I want you to, uh, to go jogging uh, half an hour a day, please, for therapeutic purposes. Well, if we're talking about an activity which healthy people do, you too are allowed to do it for medical purposes. The only therapy which is prohibited on Shabbos is therapy which is manifestly therapy. It's not only your intention. Anyone who sees you doing that, anyone, anyone who sees you doing that food, it's perfectly clear why, why you're eating that. It, 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 it tastes very bitter, it, 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 it's not palatable. Ordinary people don't don't eat it normally. Only people eat it on doctor's instructions. So the prohibition of refua, the prohibition of medical therapy on Shabbos is limited to those activities where the activity demonstrates to the onlooker that you are engaged in something of a medical nature. Uh, it doesn't matter that uh, people know you told your you told your your friends and neighbors, yeah, I have to go out walking. Uh, ordinary walk. I have to go out walking half an hour a day for my heart. Uh, doctor's orders. Yeah, so your know, friends know it, your neighbors know it, and they see you walking, going out for a walk uh, half an hour every day. Uh, but, but still, still, uh, it looks exactly like a perfectly healthy person going out for going out for a walk, and therefore, that's fine on Shabbos. No problem at all. So the, the, um, uh, the uh, 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 Tosefta distinguishes between running, but anyone, at least back in those days, anyone who saw someone jogging, anyone who saw someone running says, hey, good grief, that person is under doctor's orders. That person is engaging in, in something which is medically therapeutic. Unless, of course, you see the person running to shul or running to a shi'ur or running for a mitzvah purpose, then, of course, uh, that eliminates the thought in the mind of the observer that you're engaged in medical therapy. Ah, but if you're just going out for a stroll, which is also exercise and might be ordered by the doctor in certain cases, um, that's okay on Shabbos. And, and this Tosefta, making this distinction between act prohibited activities because they manifestly demonstrate that you are dealing with a medical condition, as opposed to activities which healthy people do, this distinction, although it's not in the Mishnah, which is the more important body 
of Tanaitic literature from that period. It is quoted in the Beit Yosef in the Tulip. All the posts can quote this passage as being authoritative. Uh, take a look in the commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch that Tzitzeliezer says. Uh, they explain the words of the Tosefta. The commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch explain that even though you enjoy jogging, and hard as it is for someone like me to believe, you know, someone like me, a couch potato, I must make, you know, I have to overcome great resistance to exercise every day. I'm so proud of myself that I'm able to overcome the resistance and actually do the exercise, which, you know, I don't really like. There are people out there who just enjoy doing it. Kagon, for example, some people, after they exercise, feel a lot better. That's even true with me. Uh, even, even though I, I don't like to exercise and I have to really force myself to do it, I do feel a lot better because I exercise. And if I go a few days without exercise, I begin not to feel so good. It definitely, definitely uh, makes oneg pleasure definitely flows out of the exercise. Afilahachi, nonetheless, asur, it's prohibited to exercise on Shabbos. It's true that after you have exercised, you feel better. After you have exercised, you eat, you eat better, everything is more pleasant. But while you're exercising, or at least at the beginning of exercise, when you're getting into it, uh, no, uh, you know, that's not enjoyment, and therefore prohibited. The fact that exercise brings you pleasure later on is not a justification for exercising on Shabbos. Now, as I pointed out last week, if you think about it, you'll realize that if you begin jogging before Shabbos, and you've already been jogging for a while before the sun sets, and uh, now the endorphins are flowing in your brain, and you're really feeling good, now you've overcome the hump of resistance. Now the running is really pleasurable, and that you can continue on Shabbos. This is very similar to what the Gemara and the Post can point out, that on Yom Kippur, the day of the great fast, uh, you're not allowed to eat and drink, right? But of course, eating and drinking on Yom Kippur is prohibited because it is pleasurable. Is there such a thing as eating and drinking which is not pleasurable? Sure there is, the post can point out. What about someone who has gorged himself? What about someone who has stuffed herself full, full, full of food before Yom Kippur begins? Just moments before Yom Kippur. And you, you get yourself to the state where it's really very uncomfortable and it just hurts to eat more. 
So such a person is not does not have the pleasure of eating on Yom Kippur, and therefore no particular prohibition. If it's if it's uh, if it's uncomfortable to eat, you know, you suffer by eating because you're gorged full. So to continue eating on Yom Kippur is not a violation of the fast. After all, the Torah doesn't exactly say you're supposed to fast on Yom Kippur. The Torah uses the word enui, lehitanot. Some kind of suffering is required for kapara, uh, for atonement on Yom Kippur, and it's the pleasure of eating which is blocked. Well, um, if we were talking about Yom Kippur, we would have to go into detail about this, but the parallel is clear. If the unpleasant part of the exercise is before Shabbos, and continuing the exercise on Shabbos is entirely a pleasant activity, go for it. How can you daven the Kiddush? Well, you know, daven later, Kiddush later. The, um, uh, uh, of course, the normal thing is to uh, daven the Ma'ariv just at the beginning of Shabbos so you can go home and make Kiddush. Of, of course, that's a normal thing. And, and the Shulchan Aruch even says that your table should be set and everything should be ready to go before Shabbos so that when Shabbos begins, you're ready to go with Kiddush right away. Uh, that's, of course, the normal thing, but it, it ain't necessarily so. Uh, I'll give you a simple example. You'll understand how it works. Um, uh, back in, in the good old days, uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein, in the summer months, in the hot summer months, before they had air conditioning, in the hot summer months in New York, Rav Moshe Feinstein, like so many other Jews, used to escape the heat of the city by going up to the Catskill Mountains, where it was measurably cooler. And there, since the families were, were all uh, in the uh, summering in the Catskill Mountains, uh, it was very common to uh, uh, begin Shabbos, have Mincha and Mairev, Kabbalah Shabbos and Mairev before sunset, which is entirely permissible, as long as it's after Plag Mincha. And that's what they did. But, um, but uh, that meant that... Uh, uh, they were ready for, for Kiddush before it was sunset. And Ramosha Feinstein wanted to wait until night for Kiddush and so forth and so on. And therefore what he did was to daven Kabbalah Shabbos together with the congregation uh, well before sunset. Now it's Shabbos, but he did not join the congregation for Ma'ariv. Instead, he went home and enjoyed himself by learning Torah. And later, when it was really nighttime, he assembled a minion from Ma'ariv and Davin's Ma'ariv. But that was much later at night. And in the intervening time, there was plenty of time for Kiddush and the Suda. And therefore, he had his Shabbos Suda earlier in the evening, but not right at the beginning of Shabbos. And Ma'ariv, even later than that, so, so uh, well, well, uh, I don't know how practical it is. Uh, it's somewhat bizarre, is it not, to, to begin uh, jogging before Shabbos so that when Shabbos begins, uh, you'll be over the hump and be have an entirely pleasurable experience, and then and then uh, have a arrange for for a minion later in the evening for a ma'ariv and, and kiddush. Uh, all, all this could, in theory, be arranged. Of course, none of this 
solves the other problems of exercise, uh, it's still moved in the whole, and it's still therapeutic. And therefore, the other problems of exercise are still in place. In any event, in any event, even if exercise will lead to a pleasurable experience, the disagreeable part of beginning is still prohibited on Shabbos. Anorexic, you know, well, of course, anorexia is a very variable condition, and every case is different, and therefore has to be judged individually. Mogan Avram, in his commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, says, I'm still quoting the tshuva of the Tzitzel where he marshals together all of the evidence. He explains, he says that that the Logan of Ram emphasizes one of the other reasons to prohibit exercise, namely it's manifestly of a therapeutic nature. Anyone who sees you understand that you're doing it because it's medically beneficial for you. Now, I, I have no doubt that that was true back in the 17th century when the Mughan of Rome wrote this. Uh, but uh, nowadays, uh, you, you know perfectly well that exercise has become very popular. It's a la mode at the moment. And uh, nowadays, you see someone exercising, it's no longer uh, manifestly clear that they're doing it for therapeutic purposes. There's no reason to think there's anything medically wrong with the person, and that's why he or she is exercising. Although that might have been true back in those days, anyone who you see exercising, well, you know they're doing it because they have a medical problem. And nowadays, perfectly healthy people do it. Uh, what if it's in private? That doesn't help you if, if you're exercising in private calisthenics in the privacy of your own home, uh, uh, push-ups or what they call outside of North America, in, in the English-speaking world outside of North America, press-ups, uh, even if it's in the pri privacy or, as they say, outside of North America in the privacy uh, of your own home, no good, no good. Because what we're talking about is a rabbinic prohibition here. Uh, there's a reason why the rabbis introduced the prohibition of medical therapy, lest you come to grind uh, herbs, lest you come to grind medicines. But even in situations where the original reason does not apply, the uh, prohibition is still in place. This is in general true with rabbinic prohibitions, and it is in general true in every legal system in the world. Uh, there are reasons that laws are made in non-Jewish legal systems, and uh, there are reasons why the Chachamim made rabbinic law, each specific rabbinic law, but once the law is legislated, it applies flat out in every case, even where the original reason does not apply. Now, there are certain exceptions to this. Occasionally, the reason for the law is built in to the law itself. And the law, when formulated, when originally legislated, is legislated to apply when the reason applies. That's occasionally true in rabbinic law, and occasionally true in non-Jewish legal systems, too, here and there. But uh, in general, in general, uh, man-made legislation, whether it's rabbinic or lahavdil, non-Jewish, applies 
uh, flat out, even when the original reasons do not apply. Okay, well, 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 we're beginning to get the idea that exercise is hopeless, uh, even if even if there's a good justification to lift one reason, another reason is going to apply. The uh, Lavush of Mordechai Yafa, the great uh, disciple of the Ramah, who gave us the Ashkenaz notes on the Shulchan Aruch, uh, talking about 17th century here, uh, the Lavush of Mordechai Yafa. Uh, Mordechai Yafa wrote 10 different Sfar, at least 10 different Sfar, which are in print today. And uh, uh, unfortunately, each one of his svarim dealing with very different topics. Uh, the one we're about to quote from uh, has to do with halacha. He wrote Kabbalistic works. He wrote historical works. He, he wrote midrashic works. Unfortunately, each of his ten uh, works, published works, each of them has exactly the same name, the Lavush, uh, which of course makes uh, for some complication. Uh, when you want to find uh, one of his books in the in the library and get the right volume, uh, in my experience, uh, you just have to order up all ten uh, books in the library in order to make sure you get the right one. In any event, in the halachic volume, he implies that b'chol hitamel asur afilu larutz. He implies that the halacha is even stricter than anyone has formulated up to this point. He thinks even going out for a stroll on Shabbos is prohibited if it is for therapeutic purposes. It's true that this is a das yachid, a unique opinion of one great rabbi, and therefore not in general accepted. Um, uh, but uh, this would be another reason to refrain from exercise on Shabbos, even if we're talking about just going for a walk. Uh, since this is a maverick opinion, we, we could not uh, force this opinion upon the public, but it's a good reason to refrain as well. Tzitzel Yezer goes on and says, following everything we have seen up till this point, we have to add another problem, namely the words of the Ramban. The Ramban, Nachmanides, explains when he's commenting on the Mechilta, he, he explains the verse, Shabbaton Zichron Trua. says in the Torah that uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah is uh, Shabbaton. Rosh Hashanah is a great Shabbos, a great Shabbos. Zichron Trua, involving the blowing of the of the shofar. That's a verse in the Torah. Balitzavot, where does this verse come to instruct us? The Tzavot Aleinu, this verse instructs us. Shetihiya lanu menucha minatorach. This 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 uh, 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 verse instructs us that we must rest from Torah. We must rest from uh, from uh, uh, any labor which is difficult, anything which is laborious, anything which is a lot of work, anything which is Torah, we should refrain from on Shabbos. This is what the Ramban says. He could have quoted uh, the Rambam, for example. He could have quoted the Rambam who says that Shabbos, in the privacy of your own home, you're not allowed to move the furniture around. 
Uh, moving the furniture around on Shabbos is, is hard work. It's uh, it, it, it's Torah. It, it's bothersome. And uh, and Shabbos is a day of rest. And and moving the heavy furniture around in your house mitigates against the rest with Shabbaton, the great Shabbos requires in the words of the Torah, and therefore and therefore uh, prohibited now, the, the specific definition of what is Torah and therefore prohibited on Shabbos because it's too laborious, it's too, too much work, and, and what is uh, okay. The specific uh, definition here runs as follows. Any activity that people, uh, any activity involving physical labor, amal, anything involving physical labor, not talking about throwing out the garbage in, 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 in the trash can outside, anything which involves physical labor, and people complain about having to do it, that is prohibited on Shabbos. Uh, uh, do I have to move the furniture around in my room now? Can't it wait till later? If it's something that people complain about, that's the sign that the physical labor involved is Torah too great to permit on Shabbos um, uh, uh, mitigating against the rest of Shabbos. I personally, as I mentioned before, have to really force myself uh, uh, to exercise every day. And the truth is, I don't always succeed. Uh, <laughs> some days go by and I just skipped it all together. Usually I'm proud of myself. I usually get to do it, but I really have to, I really have to force myself to do it. That, but that's enough to indicate that the, the physical effort is Torah, laborious, and that by itself is a violation of Shabbos, as it says in the verse. Therefore, even if there's no particular connection with any of the specific prohibitions of Shabbos, the very fact that it's a laborious activity is enough to prohibit it, like the Rambam's example of moving heavy furniture around in your house. Uh, Alpi Divrei Ramban, following this idea of the Ramban, he could have quoted other uh, authorities like Ramban, as I say. Uh, the Hatam Sofer in the 18th century concludes, Asur Hanisiyah Berakevet B'Shabesh Hamusat Al Yedei Akum Vegam Rov Nosea Akum Uvetochatchum Metam Sheino Shavet Bufo Navenad. Going by train on Shabbos falls into this prohibition, even if the train is being operated entirely by non-Jews, even if all the other passengers are non-Jews and nothing is being done specifically for you, the Jewish passenger, uh, even if the, uh, the train is totally within the city, and has not uh, no, no question of violating the prohibition of al ish mim komo. No, 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 no possibility of violating the prohibition of traveling outside of the tchum Shabbat of the city. Even if no other prohibition applies, going by train is prohibited because you get bounced around all the time. It's unpleasant. You get bounced around all the time. Back then, the trains weren't so, weren't so smooth. You get bounced around all the time, and that by itself 
is a reason to prohibit it. Um, why do why why do mothers still have to work on Shabbos? You know, when I was a boy growing up, it always bothered me that the day of the week when the rabbi has the most work is on Shabbos. <laughs> you know, like yeah, you know, I, I was just a kid. Yeah, yeah, I, I really had no idea what the rabbi does all week long, but I knew that on Shabbos he stands up there and he gives a drasha and he talks and he works. It, it always seemed to me. Uh, wrong that the uh, that the uh, that the rabbi has his day of work on Shabbos. Uh, uh, well, 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 it's not very different than, uh, than than mothers having to work on Shabbos. Let's leave that subject for a different discussion. Bottom line, for all of these reasons, and we have already a whole series of them. It seems to me that on Shabbos we have to prohibit any physical exercise, including the spring-loaded uh, expander. It's simply prohibited. Uh, he concludes his tshuva by saying, however, little adversative particle that, tell you, that tells you we're going to have an exception to everything he said up to this point, however, asiat targil katan, Small exercises, small exercises, not like the expander, some small exercises. A small exercise where you're only exercising the muscles in the hand, for example. And as I've witnessed myself, exercises with your hands don't make you tired as I've witnessed myself I imagine at one point uh, his uh, physician told him that he had to squeeze a, a rubber ball uh, 30 times a day or something like this and he got a rubber ball and he squeezed it 30 times a day like the doctor said and I witnessed myself it doesn't make you very tired it's a very, it's a very small exercise you're not, not going to sweat. And of course, in all of the classical sources, as we saw last week, sweating is by itself considered therapeutic. Back in those days, they thought that uh, the reason to sweat is to get rid of poisons from your body. And, and sweating was prescribed for a wide variety of diseases back in those days. Sweating in and of itself was thought of as being therapeutic, but you don't sweat uh, uh, with a small exercise like squeezing a rubber ball in your hand. Holding a, 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 a rubber ball in your hand is not a, specifically a weekday activity. Uh, there's no, you're no way demonstrating you're no way publicizing that you're engaged in medical therapy. Therefore, since healthy people squeeze things all the time, it's like food, which is consumed by healthy people also. The small exercises like that are permissible on Shabbos like it says in the Shulchan Aruch, 
that you're allowed to anoint yourself, you're allowed to anoint the body with oil for therapeutic purposes because most people are perfectly healthy and anointing their body with oil just because it's pleasant has nothing to do with therapy. Most people are not doing it for therapeutic purposes. If that's what the doctor says you need, you can also do it. The only difference between the, the, the sick person anointing his body or her body with oil for therapeutic purposes and the ordinary person, healthy person doing it is all in the mind, in the intention of the person doing it. mutarim, And you're allowed to think uh, about whatever you want on Shabbos and all is well. And therefore, uh, small exercises are okay. What exactly is the difference between a small exercise and a big one? Well, uh, you don't sweat. Uh, uh, people don't complain about having to do it. You don't have to overcome a great hump of resistance to do it. It's not unpleasant, and so forth and so on. None of the reasons apply. Therefore, according to Tzitzeliezer, you can do that on Shabbos. Okay, at this point, I want to turn attention to this very important tshuva of the Malamad Lahoyal. Uh, Malamad Lahoyal, his name was Rav David Tzvi Hoffman. Uh, Rav David Tzvi Hoffman was the good rabbi in uh, Berlin, uh, in Germany, in the uh, 19th century. He was the uh, Rosh Hashanah there, in addition to being a great rav. And uh, most of the great rabbis in the 19th century, most of the great rabbis in, in uh, Central and Western Europe were products of his yeshiva and were his disciples. And uh, since he was in 19th century Berlin, he was the first of the great rabbis to encounter many aspects of modernity. Back in those days, uh, the great rabbis of Eastern Europe, Lithuania, Poland, Hungary, were still living in very medieval conditions in, in, the, in the 19th century. Um, most of them were living in towns without even without electricity, without running water. Uh, the, the, the roads were not paved. I mean, the, the, the modern times had not yet arrived uh, to many of the villages in Eastern Europe when Ravelsi Hoffman was the great rabbi in Berlin. Berlin uh, was already uh, electrified, uh, electrical system. They had a stock market. Uh, you know, all, all, all the appurtenances of modernity already existed in Berlin. And therefore, Ravdovitsi Hoffman was the first of the great rabbis to deal with a wide range of issues which are modern issues which had never come up in previous generations. Uh, uh, whether or not prohibitions of interest, uh, lending money for interest, apply to joint stock corporations. Well, they had joint stock corporations in, in Berlin, which were unheard of in the little villages in Eastern Europe where the Eastern European rabbis lived. He was the first to deal with a wide range of electrical issues, commercial issues, all kinds of things having to do with modernity. And back in his days, and as recently as when I was young, not so long ago, uh, the school day in, uh, in Central and Western Europe was six days a week. Uh, I'm speaking about the public schools, not the Jewish schools. 
uh, was six days a week, and a vast number, almost all, Torah-observant families back in those days when I was young, not so long ago, surely in the 19th century, in the days of Rebetzi Hoffman, were sending their children to non-Jewish schools for secular education. And after school, uh, the children, of course, went to the Jewish community, to the synagogue, where they had shiurim on Torah subjects as well. But the secular education was almost entirely handled by the uh, public school system in uh, Central and Western Europe in those days. And of course, part of the school system, part of the curriculum for every child was exercise hour, physical exercise hour. It was part of the entire program. Now, uh, therefore, many Jewish children were going to uh, these public schools and the question arose, what happens, what should the children do if they have exercise hour scheduled on Shabbos? Are they allowed to participate in that? Uh, most of the problems were perfectly clear and the children knew exactly what to do and what not to do. The, the Jewish children knew that they're not allowed to write, uh, take notes in class on Shabbat and they would sit and listen very carefully. And after Shabbos, you had to find a non-Jewish friend and copy all the notes over from a non-Jewish friend, but uh, uh, not allowed. And, and of course, any tests which were scheduled on Shabbos had been scheduled either before or after. There's, most of the problems uh, the Jews knew how to deal with. Nishalti, uh, uh, they asked me. Rav Dovitz often writes. Ishari Turnin the Shabbos Kodesh. Is Turnin permitted on Shabbos? Well, uh, fortunately, I can speak German, so I understand the German word. Turnin is just the ordinary German word for exercise. Is exercise permitted on Shabbos? That's the question. And he's talking about exercise hour in the public school. Yeshel Hatir Metam Ba'er uh, following what it says in the Shulchan Aruch, we want to be lenient and permit it. After all, it says in the Shulchan Aruch, Bachurim hamit angim bekvitzatam uvurutzatam mutar. Kids who enjoy running and jumping are allowed to do that on Shabbos. Yeah, we saw this last week. If it's enjoyable, go for it on Shabbos. This is understood as meaning that running and jumping and all kinds of physical activity is entirely permissible if it is enjoyable from beginning to end. And for kids, uh, at exactly what age this expires varies from child to child, but, but surely smaller children just spontaneously uh, jump up and run back and forth and you know, uh, smaller children uh, enjoy running and jumping. Uh, it's not exercise for them. That's their normal way of having fun all the time. I mean, you get to a certain age where this expires and uh, uh, you get as old as I am and, and you, you don't just spontaneously run and jump. You have to make yourself do it. You have to force yourself to get into the exercise. For the smaller children, 
No problem at all. This is their enjoyment of Shabbos. The smaller children exercise does not mitigate against enjoyment of Shabbos. It's part of their enjoyment of Shabbos. They don't complain about it. They just enjoy doing it. Since they enjoy exercise, they don't complain about it. It's not considered too laborious for them. It's fine. Well, well, for smaller children, therefore, there should be no problem with exercise in school on Shabbos. Ode, furthermore, I'm reading it says in the Gemara, after Asul Alod Be'ilan Shemayitlosh, Makom Makom, Bor, Vigader, Afilu Gavoa, O Amokma, Mea Ama, Mitapes Vole, Mitapes Vired. Says in the Gemara that you are not allowed to climb trees on Shabbos. Why are you not allowed to climb trees on Shabbos? Not because it's laborious. Not because it's a lot of effort, but because the rabbis were afraid you would tear off a, a leaf, you would tear off a branch. And since tearing off a branch, tearing off a leaf from a tree is prudent on Shabbos, they said, don't climb on trees. But the Gemara makes perfectly clear, if you're talking about descending into a pit or climbing over a fence, even if the fence is 100 cubits high, even if the pit is 100 cubits deep, there is no prohibition in climbing up the fence or going down to the bottom of the pit and walking back up again. There's no prohibition in that at all. That's what the Shulchan Aruch says. And the Shulchan Aruch Harav, the Shulchan Aruch of the Baal the first Rebbe agrees with this entirely. Mitapes, uh, the climbing which they permit on the fence, or going up and down in the pit, the climbing which they permit, I knew that means klettern. Well, the uh, Lushen Ashkenaz, klettern is just the ordinary German word for climbing. Uh, that's the opinion of Shulchan Aruch based on Rashi. Now, now uh, we understand already why it is permitted to climb over a fence, even if it's 100 cubits high. We understand why it's permitted to go down to the bottom of a pit and climb back up again, even if it's 100 cubits deep, because those are activities that ordinary, healthy people do all the time. It's no different in concept than going out for a stroll. You want to get from here to there, you go out for a walk to get from here to there. Between here and there is a fence you have to climb over. Go for it. Climb over the fence. Between here and there is a deep depression you have to walk through, down one side, up the other side. Even though uh, you might be out of breath by the time you do it, still, it's just a, like, a, like going out for a walk to get from here to there. Ordinary, healthy people do it all the time. You, too, are allowed to do it on Shabbos. Well, he's assembled a number of reasons why exercise hour for the children in school should be permissible. The uh, Esika Turnin, as far as Turnin exercise in school is concerned, Ikar Ha Esek Huritsa Kvitsa Vekletrin. 
mostly what they are doing in exercise hour in the schools is running, jumping, and climbing. And that's mostly what they do. And, and according to the sources we've seen, that should be okay. Kevancha Osin Latanuk, as long as this is done for pleasurable purposes, Ein Khan Isur, there's no prohibition at all. Makom in any event, the Makom Nahagubo Isur, in any event, if there's a local minhag, a local practice to refrain from this, there's several reasons why I don't want to interfere with local minhagim, local practices uh, to uh, uh, to uh, uh, to exercise. Yeah, of course, of course, um, as as you correctly point out in chat, uh, the 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 Dutch language uh, spoken in Holland and and in Belgium today. Uh, is a language which is uh, like halfway between German and, and English. Uh, the, the, the total vocabulary of the Dutch language is approximately half German words and half English words, which makes it very easy for someone to read if you know both of those languages. And in order to speak the language, you just have to know which words to say in German and which words to say in in English, and you can speak uh, you can speak the Dutch. Uh, and the Dutch word for exercise is also a turne, turne, just like a turnen, just like in 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 German, except in, in Dutch. Although they they still write the final n in the word in Dutch today, the final n in the words is no longer pronounced. Why on earth is this interesting? Okay, uh, indoor rock climbing. Uh, no, 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 no. The indoor rock climbing is not okay, according to this. Uh, no, on the contrary, indoor rock climbing is exactly what he's talking about in exercise hour in 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 in, in school. They climb up things, whether it's indoor rocks or they climb up uh, uh, pegs on the wall or whatever it is. That's exactly what he's talking about, and uh, he thinks he's assembled a number of good reasons why it is permissible. However, in those towns and villages where there's a local practice, a minhag, to refrain from such activities, well, minhagamokam, of course, of course, no one should violate local minhagim. Local minhagim are obligatory, not only for the people who live there, but even for people who are just passing through and visiting. Right? The, the, the Svaradi, who normally eats rice on Pesach, happens to be visiting in Poland or Russia or one of these Ashkenaz places is there for a business trip on, uh, on Pesach, where the local practice, local minhag, is the Ashkenaz minhag not to eat rice on Pesach. Well, you can't fly. It's prohibited to fly in the face of local practice. We're prohibited to violate local practice. And therefore, in those towns and villages, where they have a minhag, not to engage in this kind of exercise on Shabbos. Well, for, for molten, it is prohibited. Well, well, uh, up to this point, he's reached a very lenient conclusion, aside from those towns and villages where they have a specific uh, minhag, a specific practice in place uh, prohibiting these activities. Um, 
Machari Shuvin Nechamti. But after I wrote this, I revisited the entire subject in my mind, and I regret having come to these lenient conclusions, and I cancel them, I erase the uh, lenient conclusions which I've come to, come to up to this point. Why? I find that now that I've revisited the subject in my mind, I, I see a good reason to flat out prohibit exercise on Shabbos, and this is the source which bothers me. This is the source. It says in the Mishnah as follows. It says on Shabbos, you're not allowed to hit amel. What does that mean? What does that word mean? You know, what, what is it you're not allowed to do on Shabbos? Of course, in order to understand the meaning of this word, we're not going to ask, what does it mean in modern Israeli Hebrew? Uh, we want to know what the word meant back in, back in those days. The Perish Rabbeinu Hananel. Rabbeinu Hananel, one of the first uh, of the great Rishonim. He was leading only for children, correct? Uh, Rabbeinu Hananel, one of the first of the great Rishonim, right at the end of the period of the Gaonim. Uh, he, he explains the word, what is it exactly that the Mishnah is prohibiting? These are the words of Rabbeinu Hananel. You extend your arms and fold your arms together. That's that's in front and in back. Extending and 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 and, and, and retracting the arms in the front and the back. That's what the Mishnah is prohibiting. Uh, and similarly. Uh, doing such exercises in moving the legs, uh, if you heat up by doing these activities and sweat, that's what the Mishnah is prohibiting. That is therapeutic in nature because it leads to sweating, and uh, sweating was was back in those days therapeutic and therefore prohibited. Well, uh, this idea of Rabbeinu Hananel is then copied over and embraced by the Orach. The Orach was written by Rabbi Nossin, uh, Rabbi Natan of Rome in the generation before Rashi. And this Sefer, which is a very important source uh, of Talmudic learning, uh, written in the generation before Rashi, is a dictionary of rabbinic Hebrew and rabbinic Aramaic, a dictionary of the language of the Mishnah and Gemara. Uh, my, my, my copy is not nine volumes in length, um, and it remains to this day the most important rabbinic dictionary of the language of Mishnah and Gemara. And therefore, it's since the day, since uh, the generation of Rashi, it was written in the generation before Rashi, uh, since then, it's a dictionary which the Poskin, the great rabbinic authorities, have relied upon in drawing halachic conclusions. Um, it's really, it's really very important. Uh, Rashi himself quotes the Aruch, oh, dozens of times uh, throughout his writings as being definitive. Uh, the Aruch, 
deals with the meaning of the word lihit amel, which is prohibited in the Mishnah. And uh, he points out that it also says in the Tosefta, Hain Ratzin B'Shabbos K'day Lhit Amel. This prohibition of Lhit Amel is mentioned in the Tosefta as well. It's also in the Tur and the Beit Yosef. Uh, the reason it's prohibited is because it's therapeutic in nature. Ritza Shalta'anu Shari. If the running or jogging is pleasurable, then it's okay. If it's therapeutic, it is prohibited. Well, this leads to the following conclusion that exercise is prohibited in modern terminology. The foundation of exercise is no pain, no gain. And since that is the foundation of what exercise is built on, according to Rabbeinu Hananel, according to the Orach, according to all the Poskin, since any activity which is rooted in no pain, no gain, is prohibited on Shabbos because of the pain element. We can only be lenient in those cases when the exercise is pleasurable beginning to end and no resistance has to be overcome in order to engage in the exercise. That's surely true with smaller children and whether it's true over a certain age will have to be adjudged in every case individually. Now, with this, we come to the end of our Shi'urim about exercise on Shabbos. Next Wednesday, in this time slot, I'm going to begin a series of Shi'urim on Ruach HaKodesh and Halacha. What about great mystics, mystically connected with the upper world, who just by looking at a dish of food, just by smelling it, know because of their mystical insight that the food is permitted or prohibited, can we rely upon the mystical insight of great mystics in order to derive halacha conclusions? That's going to be for next week. Until then, I wish you a good week and a Shabbat Shalom. I look forward to seeing you again a week from tonight. Shalom. Shalom.